Would you care to step outside? What are you doing today? Superman. I'm sorry, honey. You are here. The lasso of Hastia compels me to reveal the truth. I'm Batman. Meow. Warning, DC and RMD contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Awesome. Oh, sorry. That's your signal. That means we have to go now. All right. Hello and welcome to DC and RMD. You can find this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search DC on RMD. I am Michael Flores, and this is the Superman and Lois edition in the studio with me today is Steve. Hello, Steve. Hello, Michael. David will not be joining us. He is still sick because I don't think he understands the concept of quarantine. <laughs> and uh, him and his wife keep passing COVID back and forth like it's volleyball. <laughs> they Because um, they're also getting hit pretty hard with it, too. Oh, no. That's <laughs> yeah. not good. Yeah. So hopefully he'll be back eventually in the next couple of weeks to finish off the season two discussion. Okay, so we're going to be breaking down and discussing what is this? The 12th episode yeah. of season two titled lies that bind. I want to say there was a part in this episode. No, I don't want to say, I will say that there's a part of this episode that I laughed probably unjustifiably when Lois comes in to the house and tells Clark, guess who Lana hates more than you. Right. Or more than me. Yeah. Clark's all, uh, Kyle, <laughs> <laughs> because it came off a little bit like an ex-boyfriend. Yeah. It makes sense when you start delving into what they were doing with Lana, because it also comes across that she's not quite over Clark's and this whole Superman lie brought that out. It's maybe she, he wasn't even aware that she wasn't over him or possibly it's not even has anything to do with being over him. Maybe it's just lack of closure. Uh, lack of closure and probably, yeah. you know, triggered some of those, those unclosed feelings yeah. or, you know, but she probably did just by her statement of asking him, did you ever really yes. love me? It tells me that deep down that she still loves him more than just as a friend. Right. And she was hoping for some, some kind of reciprocal response. And it, it almost looked, I was waiting for him to say, I, I do love you, but you know, obviously she beat him to the punch, but not as much as Lois, basically, or not, not enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So overall, I really did enjoy this episode. I'm really digging what the writers are doing with Lana during the second half of the season. Uh, though, as a group, we don't have very big, very big gripes with this series. It's it is worth bringing attention to some of our concerns during the midsection of se of the season. There does seem to be a potential trend when looking at season one and season two together, it seems halfway through the seasons for what would appear to be about two to three episodes where it feels like they're trying to connect the first half with the second half. And it, I wouldn't say it's incoherent. It just meanders a bit, but they always seem to get to where they need to be within those last, I don't know, four or five episodes of the season. And taking that into account, if they were to tighten up those trans those transitionary episodes, we'd be dealing with one of the most consistent shows that this network covers, our network covers. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, you know, two, three, maybe four episodes in, they just get so many threads going out into the world that they're building. 
And we always wonder and hypothesize, how are we going to pull these threads back together and tie them up? And they magically make it work, but it always makes us nervous. Absolutely. And yes, the season isn't over yet, but I do feel good about it because they are heading in in a direction that feels it feels right for Superman. It feels right and on par with everything they've done all season and not just this season, but even last season, they're bringing you know, specific themes that were used to govern lots of episodes for the first season as well. So it does feel like it's going in an appropriate direction. It's not like they're just writing on a whim. And then this episode, we do this. Everything feels planned. Okay, so what did this episode do in the way of story? Quickly, uh, there was a considerable amount of focus on Lana, and we plan to spend quite a bit of time on this particular article of the show's narrative. Uh, Kyle is more morose than ever, partially because he thinks someone is playing with Lana's tambotos. <laughs> and uh, can you blame him? I mean, he's looking like hell, by the way. Each episode he shows up, he looks more disheveled and more <laughs> unkept. Dude, this guy just looks more and more just he, fucking broke. Yeah, man. He's not shaven. He looks like he combed his hair with a pork chop. Like he needs to shower, get a shave and a haircut. He has that. I need a haircut like two weeks ago. Look. Yeah. It has easily. that little Mexican fro starting to happen. It, bordering on did he wear clean clothes? That's how disheveled he looks. And imagine Lana. You know, she's obviously pondering the lies of Clark. So her mind right now is on the perfect specimen. And then here comes disheveled Kyle <laughs> interrupting her train of thought. Yeah. So we have John L. or Bizarro John, whatever you want to call him, as. I mean, he's a lost cause, it seems like, or so it seems. And uh, what is continuing to become a favorite element of mine, Hal Rowe, continues down his path of redemption. And his uh, doppelganger got dealt with. Yeah, got the, the life force sucked out of him. That was the first official parasite scene, I would say, like full on, full on. parasite scene. So she is definitely... Okay, do you think we're going to keep this version of Allie Alston or is she eventually, is something going to happen where she absorbs a certain amount of power and she becomes the the real version of Parasite from the comic books? I would hope that taking on all of Tal uh you know, Bizarro Tal Rowe, I, I would hope her taking all of his power would flip and trigger that switch. But secretly, deep down, and I know you love the character, and, and as much as they're really bringing that brotherly element in, I almost want her to go into, uh, you know, Prime Earth and do the same thing to Prime Tal, because those two powers combined could trigger it. Yeah. Well, possibly they're giving him this redemption arc so he can die Yeah. in the season finale, which, even though I do like the character, I am always open to character death. As long as it serves the greater purpose, mm -hmm. not just because, hey, we don't know what to do, so let's do some something really exploitive to help create some type of emotion before we close out the season. That type of death, I don't like. But if it serves a greater purpose, then I am 100% on board, no matter how much I like the character in question. Yeah, I don't think we can go three, four, five seasons with the Superman and his brother. It just doesn't feel right to me it especially it especially felt weird in this episode that clark approached him for help and it didn't seem to be much of a problem to just get him out of his little library prison yeah that was a little weird yeah do you think though 
that because I was starting to after this episode, it occurred to me that maybe Cal Rowe is going to be that Superman figure that that adds to the the post death of Superman the reign of the Superman storyline, like maybe he will be a substitute for some of the characters that we're obviously aren't going to get, or maybe haven't got to yet. So I mean, that could also be another element yeah, as well. I mean, we, he is the eradicator. They dropped it again, eradicator in yeah. this episode, but then you got a uh, John's daughter building her little robot suit mm-hmm. that ultimately it sounds like Jonathan's going to, or not Jonathan. Uh, yeah. Jonathan's yeah. going to wear. And um, that kind of gives you, a cyborg Superman of sorts, ish, yeah. maybe. Yep. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of possibilities, and that's another aspect that I really like about this show because they're setting up so many different avenues, and not like some subpar shows do, where it's they're almost like throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks. It feels like they have a definitive plan and they have a direction they want to yeah. go, but they're also setting up possibilities. Of mm-hmm. things that maybe they can go to during season three, season four, season five. And I like when shows do that long running shows because it feels better as a viewer when they bring something back that they had set up three or four seasons ago. And you're like, oh, yeah, that works so well. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel like they're just pulling shit out of their ass. It feels like it's a part of the plan, part of the strategy. Mm-hmm. So let's start or stay uh, and dig into this uh, Tal Row stuff just a bit with this whole redemption. Um, this season, as well as possibly season two, is being structured around several distinct thematic elements. However, a recurring theme is the notion of trust and, I would say, the so-called righteous lie, both of which have been brought to the forefront with the inclusion of the bizarro world so by using this alt universe, we have been able to glean some insight from the parallels. And in it, I would say there is some, they present some valid arguments as well as positions um, when it comes to warnings, when it comes to trust and the righteous lie. For example, Tal Ro has learned the error of his mistakes. In this episode, he essentially stated that he should have not listened to his father, uh, but he was under his control. And had faith in Clark. And if he had faith in Clark and his family. And by doing so he could have had a place in the family. If he had put his faith and his trust in Clark. Rather than being controlled by his father. This also does a few things. For one it could effectively bring Tal Rowe's redemption story to an end. Basically what you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, he made amends with Lois. Which was needed for the writers to successfully bring into bring him into the good guy camp and whatever that means, we will see if it means a a death. Okay. If it means he's going to be put in the back burner for season three and used when they need him, we'll see if that happens either way, either direction they go would work with what they're setting up. Uh, Then we have this issue of trust. The issue of trust is a common plot device in Superman stories. I believe we talked about this, you, me and David in depth. Um, it goes in, in one of two ways when it comes to the plot device that is trust when it comes to Superman stories. Either Superman must gain the trust of humanity, which we saw in the Man of Steel stories, as well as the, uh, the Zack Snyder, I would say, mm-hmm. um, 
Superman. Or you have Superman must learn to trust, which is a little more common, which is something he usually struggles with for various reasons. And that type of relationship is usually built when you are focusing on his relationship with Lex. Mm-hmm. Before Lex goes completely evil or dark side. And this has been explored in comic books as well of, as well as the very popular Smallville series that aired on the WB and then, of course, the CW. And this segues perfectly in the, into the so-called righteous lie. This is at the heart of the season. They've used the common superhero trope, the secret alias or identity, to pose questions pertaining to the usefulness of the lie. And just to clarify what I mean by the righteous lie, if there are people unfamiliar with this term, it's mostly an idea dissected or pushed forward by theological scholars as well as some philosophers of ethics. And basically, when is it okay to lie? This aspect surfaced a bit, I would say, in season one and has been a predominant theme for most of season two. It's been, I suppose, a a through line of sorts that has kept all of our characters consistently under a singular umbrella of intent. And more recently with Lana, It started with Clark's kids. They showed what can happen. And now Lana has been included in this premise. And this is where it gets really interesting. And in my opinion, really uses Lana to her potential. And that has been, I believe I've said this, my only problem with this season is that Lana, I felt, wasn't being used appropriately. Right. We talked about it, right? She felt like set dressing. Yeah. And now I really like the art the alternative perspective that they're using her to present or dissect on the secret identity and showing the ill effects it can have on the ones closest to you, which we went into detail during our last discussion. Ultimately, this is what the episode was doing with Lana. And I feel like it worked to explore a very human element and how one reacts to betrayal. Because whether you consider this a righteous lie, a little white lie, it is still an act of betrayal to the person you are lying to. Right. And and, and it was interesting because she didn't really have as much of a problem when she found out from Clark. It was when she confronted Lois about it because she felt Lois built their friendship on a pretext of lies. And you can see and understand her perspective but you can obviously understand Lois's perspective. So then when she was brought into the circle of trust on this topic, she had the opportunity and they, they almost gave her a little bit of open-ended carte blanche to do with that as she will. They trust her with that information um, and they didn't necessarily say to her, don't share it. They, they trusted her um, and she sat Sarah down And she was in the exact same position and could empathize immediately in that moment of, if I share this secret, it's not my secret to share. And that's what Lois had told her. Yeah. And also it then pushes her daughter and herself further into the position of continuing, continuing to lie to their loved ones. Yep. And that's why betrayal is something that, the exploration of betrayal is something that's really worked well. And it's something that they've used when you, when you start to look back at the entire season, it works so well with, with Lana's story because that's been a part of her story all season. 
not just with Superman, but with the obvious Kyle, Mm -hmm. Kyle's betrayal. So to then have Clark reveal himself as Superman, it probably wasn't the ideal time to do it in retrospect. No, no. You know, so when she makes that decision to keep the Kent family away from her, it does make perfect sense. And as you said, certainly Lana forgives Clark and Lois because she's written as a rational being. So she understands the reason for keeping the truth from her, but she's still a human and she can't simply ignore the way it has affected her. No, and it's totally affecting her. She's, she's spacing out, um, which, you know, and the thing is, I was thinking in the back of my mind as all this is going on and she's taking on this new information and this burden of secrecy that she now has to bear. Mm-hmm. What's going on with the town of Smallville? Where, what is she doing as a mayor? Nothing. <laughs> like all elected officials, they get elected and do dick. She's doing nothing for these <laughs> nothing. people. Yeah. But all of this works. It makes her a complicated character a more interesting character because not only are we dealing with this whole thing of betrayal and how it's affecting her but it's not just the obvious which is the betrayal aspect but there's that subtle the subtleties that i feel is alluding to the fact that it's also stirred other feelings inside of her unresolved issues she's had with clark Lack of closure, I suppose, because she asked Clark why he never came back for her. Mm-hmm. That was her first question. Yeah. So she also has to contend with feelings she obviously still has for Clark, or at least the unresolved pain. It, oh, unresolved pain. She's carrying around suitcases of baggage, man. You know, he left Smallville. She was left behind. And then to find out that he was this big, fancy superhero going around saving the world multiple times over, we can assume... Uh, saving Smallville, she she witnessed that, and never once did he come to rescue her from the shithole that is Smallville. Yeah, and that's again. A, I wish they brought that part back up, reiterated that because that was an element last season about staying in Smallville. If you remember, mm-hmm. I so, think it'll come back up. Okay, yeah, it, it should. It definitely should because she's obviously harboring. I don't want to say resentment, but she's harboring feelings. She obviously yeah. doesn't feel 100% okay with Clark, but as adults, you have to move on. You have to understand the, the complications of life and the things that people do for whatever reason. And again, even though she understands why he has done what he has done, it, a lot of it, I think, comes back to her because then she feels, she probably feels potentially guilty as well because of how she might actually feel towards Clark meaning angry, hurt, because Lana asked the question, how didn't she know? How did she not realize that Clark was Superman? I'm sure it made her feel even worse. Like maybe she blames herself for not being there for Clark, having the weight of the world on his shoulders. Or, or, I believe is that is that's yeah, what she said. Yep, yep. And the fact that she never even noticed, she might then feel guilty about not even realizing who he is. Yeah. How dumb am I that I didn't see this all the times he snuck off to do whatever when we were in high school or whatever. Yeah. Um, how did I not see this? How foolish am I for not putting two and two together? Yeah. And I like the explanation behind the reason why. And we've talked about this a bit as well. People see what they want to say. Yep. I like that because that's always been one of my issues when it comes to Superman. He puts on a pair of glasses and suddenly no one knows who he is. But, but they have the done. idea of 
of like, hey, you're right. You see what you want to see. Yeah, you see what you want to see. And they've done psychological studies on this. And it, 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 they've proven that this will happen. for that. Oh, really? Yeah, for that very reason. People will see what they want to see sense. in other people, even in the face of facts and reality. Once someone has a deeply held conviction or ideology or, or feeling about whatever the thing is, it does not matter how much facts, data, evidence is put before that person, the wall's gone up. So good luck b- breaking down that wall. And yeah. Yeah. It's a complicated it's a complicated situation, and this is how you do melodrama the right way. When they started going in this direction, I was a little nervous because of the network it's on. We know that many times because of the, the target demo for the CW, we know that many times... Problems between individuals, specifically relationships, it tends to fall into a very naive, immature area that just doesn't feel right, even when it's adults. When they're dealing with kids, fine. I get why it feels immature because we all remember how it is as, as kids. We, yeah. we act like everything is important. The world is falling apart because so-and-so broke up with me. But as adults, we try at least to handle things a little bit more maturely. So to see the writers actually tackle this entire thing with Lana with a level of maturity, it feels so much more grounded with how people would handle things when they're dealing with the extraordinary. Yeah. That's an, that's an interesting point. A good point because at at this point, Part in Lana's life, having witnessed what she's witnessed, especially just in the last year within Smallville and yeah. what has happened with the the, the yellow kryptonite or, or whatever, um, at some point I would step back. I would even have questioned my mayoral race, right? Mm-hmm. I would have stepped back and been like, none of this matters at the end of the day. None of this matters. Kyle and his cheating on me, that doesn't matter. My, you know, my kids not talking to me or me neglecting the littlest one (laughs) repeatedly. None of that matters. We could have died by an alien race, um, taking over our town. you, You have to be able to step back and look at how infinitely small we are as a thing on this marble floating in space. Yes. (laughs) See, yes, that's a perfect point because that's, that is one of my biggest problems with life in general. (laughs) Oh yeah. But with some of the shows in the CW, specifically the one that comes to mind is my issues with the later seasons of arrow. Yeah. Where you would have these extraordinary events. The world's in jeopardy and you have, Felicity fighting with Oliver over petty shit. I'm like, bitch, the world is falling apart. Everyone's life's on the line and you're getting mad at him because he didn't tell you he had a kid that he sworn to keep secret. Otherwise he would lose him. Yeah. It's just, and that's just one example of probably 30 or 40 times when they did that in those types and those shows. That's why I felt such relief that they didn't allow this to go in that direction because they even had a lot of the lines that they wrote for her it was 
it felt like it was coming from a rational person, someone who, yes, I am hurt. I'm definitely going to be struggling with this, but also all of this is going on right now. Right. And then she ultimately cuts the, the Kent family off. Not possibly there's a little bit of anger towards them that she just can't, you know, hide. But at the end of the day, what is it about? It's about protecting her family from lies and from the dangers that the Kent family presents. Yeah. It's, so it's completely 100% understandable. Oh, yeah. I mean, he showed up and look at all the bad stuff that happened. Now, all that kryptonite was going to be underground regardless. So whether yeah. he was there or not, some bad shit was going to go down. Um, it wasn't his fault that that kryptonite was down there. It, it, what's that? Do you remember that saying that... What is it? I think they've used it in comic book films before where the the threat increases based on the individuals involved. Like, for example, with the rise of superheroes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The rise of the threats increase. Yeah. And I want to say there's a whole entire philo- philosophical theory based around that idea. It, it's the yin and yang. You, you, it's, you have to have balance. No side can... So if superheroes rise up, you will have supervillains. Okay. If supervillains rise up, you will have superheroes. Okay, it so has, you are familiar with yeah, that. Yeah, it has okay. to maintain a balance. Okay. All right, so Kyle, as we had said at the top of the show, is a morose dude. Though I partially <laughs> feel for him. I mean, he is the male version of a basic bitch. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, yes, he's not privy to the extraordinary that's going on, but... Oh, that set him R- off. Rather than... Could you imagine if he found out this whole time that Clark, who Lana dated when they were uh, younger, Superman plowed his now soon-to-be ex-wife? Dude, he would put a gun in his it, mouth. Yeah, I, I couldn't recover from that either. I'm like, oh, man, I couldn't just not hold up. How no, can I compare? You can't. <laughs> Look at yourself, Kyle. <laughs> so, do you think he will be a character that finds out eventually? Or do you think it's... Okay, so what do you want? Like, for example, in when you look at the history of other superhero shows, typically what happens is the first two to three seasons, the secret is intact. Mm-hmm. And then as the show progresses, more and more people uh, that are considered top tier actors within the show, eventually they bring the ball in within right, the story. Right. And to me, I don't always like that or for me, that always doesn't work for me because it just takes away a bit when every person knows this guy's secret. When in reality, for every five people, you can trust maybe one. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at the Batman family, right? Look how many people that are surrounding (laughs) Batman at any given moment that know his secret identity. That dude is terrible at keeping that a secret. Yeah. So I personally would be okay if they do keep certain key characters on the outs. Yeah, but at some point he either has to be brought in or just written out or written out because he moves away from Smallville because he can't, you know, live with the pain any longer. I I know that the, at this point, I feel like Lana's story is independent. It could be independent of Kyle. Yeah, I I wouldn't have a problem and it would actually feel okay. In terms of, okay, it all comes down to how they close it out. But if they were to write Kyle out this season, I think it would be okay. He doesn't really offer much in the way of the Superman story. He's more of the the C story, you know, that 
has to do with Sarah. So if you're looking to continue to flesh out Sarah, then perhaps you can keep Kyle on the back burner for that. But when it comes to Lana, I feel like she is entering into the A category now, meaning she's no longer going to be story B. She's mm-hmm. probably going to be sharing in parts of story A more frequently. Yeah. So, you know what they could do with him? I mean, it's a completely different character in the comics by name, but he was he was introduced in, in Superman, and that's Jose Delgado. And, wait, he was? Uh, there was a version of this guy? No, no, no. I'm saying oh, what I'm oh. saying, what they could do is, you know, as they do in, in these comic book shows, is they borrow pieces from different mm-hmm. lore and create a new character. Right, okay. But yeah. it's still a character from the comics. I mean, mm-hmm. they're doing it left and right in this show. But they could turn Kyle's character into essentially what is Jose Delgado, which is gangbuster. <laughs> He could move away after he learns about the secret of Clark and then it lights a fire under him. He's already a firefighter, right? By trade. He wants to do good. Maybe he can come back as gangbuster. See, I'm not too familiar with that. It's a fourth string character at best. <laughs> it sounds familiar, but I just am not familiar with an actual story. Yeah. Okay. Very rarely used. See, that would be interesting. Write him out for a little bit. Maybe a couple seasons, maybe even a season and then bring him back or maybe even like season three, keep him out of it for 12 episodes, bring him back for a story arc in the last three that bleeds over into season four. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That would work because if they're not careful, they're going to continue to fragment their narrative too much. Mm -hmm. If they keep trying to give all of these characters their own stories and they, they did a really good job with Lana's story, which was also fragmented, and they have now brought it back together with the main storyline. But as we continue to move forward with these other side characters, it is a, a natural progression when it comes to writing television where you do tend to start fragmenting these characters. But uh, in most premium television shows, they aren't afraid to just kill people off. The CW doesn't always do that, though. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Again, uh, the show... Tends to do the things that we talk about, which you brought up a, an interesting point on a text message. You know, are we really good at predicting or is this show very predictable? Yeah, it's <laughs> But I see. And I don't feel like the show is predictable. I feel like for some reason we're on the same wavelength of this with this writing room. Yeah, and, and of all the shows that we've covered from the DC world, um, all of them, including the HBO Max, I don't think we've ever been on the same wavelength as the writer's room <laughs> on any show like yeah. we have on this one. No, not even close. So we'll see. Sarah is making music about her miserable existence. I have zero <laughs> sympathy for her character this season i don't you know it, i just don't care I, I don't either and whenever they do things like this i don't care what the show that even in real life um i have this weird thing <laughs> inside no sympathy for people in real life no no fuck no, them. <laughs> fuck em. no like i have this weird thing um that when i see people do embarrassing things such as what she encountered i get embarrassed for them yeah yep it makes me extremely uncomfortable to sit and watch someone um, try that. Yeah. I don't, 
I don't dislike her yet because she's not a dislikable person. No, she's she's a very likable person. Yes, she is. And that's the saving grace for her storyline this season. But she ended a relationship with someone she allegedly cared for without any real communication. She didn't even give Jordan a chance to explain himself. She invited, she, she cheated on him. She then told him, then invited him to dinner to be friends with the very person she cheated on him with. Now, yes, they're children and... It's a, it was a kiss. It's, I understand that. But still, as a, as a 15-year-old, 14-year-old hormonal boy who's dealing with tons of insecurities, yeah, yeah. I mean, that isn't a great situation to be in. So she does a lot of things that probably she should probably know a little better. And then he struggles with it. But she doesn't really communicate with him outside of, hey, I don't feel like you're here for me doesn't give him a chance to truly communicate how he feels about it. And then she writes sad songs about it. Now, hold on a second, though. Step back a few feet and look at the behavior she's exhibiting. Where is she getting that behavior from? Kyle. No, she's getting it from her mother. Her mother's <laughs> doing the same thing to Kyle, you know? Yeah. She cut Kyle off, like, almost immediately. She's not giving him any chances. She's cordial because they have kids together. But... Every time he tries to attempt something, she throws up the wall. Yeah, maybe I'm biased because Lana is my uh, <laughs> my secret date. Well, you know, I think she's just mimicking what she's she's witnessing, and arguably, she's taking it to an even uh, bolder extreme, if you will, because she's not letting it uh, drag on as much as maybe her mom did by comparison. She's just drawing a line in the sand, saying, "Nope, you're done." Yeah, fair enough. It's not a deal breaker. It's not ruining the show for me. I just find myself less and less interested in what they're doing with her. I have a feeling, though, that eventually Sarah's going to find out the secret. Oh, yeah. And and I I think sooner than later. I don't think this is going to be a season four thing. It's either going to be the end of this season or early next season. She will find out um, the only character that we've consistently seen that's been useless dead weight is the younger sister. Yeah. I mean, uh, literally pops in for five seconds to tell us that a new sniper wolf, which is the weirdest name drop like ever. Is that an actual YouTuber? Yeah. Sniper wolf. She's actually local here to the Phoenix metro area. It's three S's in sniper wolf. Super hot streamer chick. What a what an annoying kid. But but like out of the out of all of the streamers, like that was the one. I it was weird. So they just promoted her. They gave her free promotion because how many people after watching this show when, looked up that YouTube account? I'm sure there's a, a segment of the of the viewing populace that knew that person like me, but I knew her through local costuming, right? Oh. Um through the cosplay community. Oh, was she a cosplayer? Sort of. That's that was my introduction to her. I think she does far less that because she used to do a lot of Metal Gear Solid cosplay. Um, Is she a legit cosplayer or like that does it simply because she's trying to show her boobs and needs to make some dough on her tits? I am pleading the fifth. Oh, (laughs) that means I'm right. (laughs) I am pleading the fifth, sir. Okay, so Clark visits Bizarro John to ask him for help. It appears that this John, this version of John, is a full-on cultist. He drank the Kool-Aid. Yeah. <laughs> and I do feel like it is a useful metaphor still that serves as a warning or at least some type of introspection for Clark. 
a way for Clark to to assess or reassess his parenting techniques with his John, you know, seeing what a poor relationship did with Bizarro John and his father, what mm-hmm. that poor relationship did to John, essentially pushing him so far away that he signs on as a cultist. I mean, obviously Clark, it has to make Clark feel uncomfortable and realize that this is also something that could potentially happen with his John, if he doesn't remedy his relationship with him. Now we have kind of moved away from that, but that's still there. That was what two episodes ago. He was still upset at John. Yeah. The only reason why we haven't dealt with it is because he's been busy dealing with other things. So they haven't really interacted much, but the moment they interact, I don't think everything's going to be all, all as well. It's not going to be kosher. No, but it's really forcing Clark to put the mirror up and look into it and, yeah. and see those things. And, you know, even, even how towel row, like you said earlier with his dad, that's the other end of the spectrum where the child was uh, completely right. controlled and dominated by the father. So somewhere between those two extremes. Oh, that's a good point. Is, is how you parent. That's a good point. <laughs> that, that is, you know what? I, based on the strategy of this writing team, I wouldn't doubt if that's an actual strategy. That's not just coincidence. Yeah. You're absolutely right. The overbearing father that you're always looking for approval from. Um, and then the other one that you, you know, you just pull away from completely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Parenting is definitely a big part of this show. Yeah. That's why I think it's one of the most interesting takes on Superman. For well, me. I like it because I take pride or at least I try my hardest to be a good parent. So when you see a show dissecting parenthood and mm-hmm. showing how, okay. So basically showing what showing how parenting affects children at a, at a very emotional and psychological level, good parenting, bad parenting, distracted parenting, neglect, all these are, these are all abuse. These are all things that are being used in this show and the ramifications are presented through the children themselves. So that's actually an interesting aspect that I've really haven't picked up on until you said that, but you're absolutely right. That's interesting. It makes the show that much better for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I would have hoped you learned everything you needed from Steve Martin, but (laughs) parenthood. Oh my God. (laughs) I don't think anyone remembers that movie except if you're 40, (laughs) like you you and I. (laughs) (laughs) So the pendant was destroyed. That's something they've been trying to do all season. Sort of. Uh, Was it? I mean, it was was like broken in half. Nothing that a little super glue couldn't fix. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't think that's going to matter. It looks like Allie Alston has finally developed the powers of who she becomes in the comic books, those types of powers. And it seems like she has a plan to find a way to cross over without or to to unite people, merge people. But there's also another element that was it Tal Rowe who said that he saw her fear when she merged. Yes, it was. It was Tal Rowe that said he saw her fear. This is why she's a true villain. You know, that whole thing where you don't really know, or what is it? The sometimes the, you don't realize you're the villain that you're the many times villains view themselves as the hero in their own story. Yeah, that's good. And in a lot of ways, Allie probably feels like she has been doing the right thing. And then at that moment when she's merging, according to Tal Rowe, she apparently realized 
that what she's doing is going to destroy people. And yet she goes through with it anyways. So that makes a definitive statement that she is full on evil because she is going through with her plans regardless. And it also exposes that she probably never was a good person, that maybe there is that little gray area that maybe she thinks she's doing the right thing. But now it brings the point across that she is. She is parasite. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure I fully believe that she really cared or intended to get everybody to merge. Yeah. As long as she got hers, that's all that seemed to matter. I mean, it does seem like she's more about her, her family legacy, which we still don't know a whole lot about. Maybe we'll get into that. I was hoping they explored that aspect because I thought that was interesting. The fact that this bloodline had this pendant for what centuries handing it down to each other. Yeah. All right. So each, each version of the character of Parasite, if people aren't familiar, they do have this ability to temporarily absorb life energy, superpowers, and the knowledge of their victim. Like Rogue from X-Men. Yeah, it's exactly like that. Except maybe the knowledge. I don't think Rogue absorbs their, their knowledge. No. So she is, in fact, becoming Parasite. But the question remains, will she become the physical and physical form that Parasite were familiar with from the comics? I don't know if they had the budget for something like that, because depending on what Parasite you're talking about, for the most part, they look fairly similar, but it isn't a, I'm sure it isn't a cheap design either. Oh, I can't From a visual effects standpoint. No. I mean, they've done some clever stuff on some of the other shows. But, and I mean, they've done a lot of great work here, but uh, what, make, what comes to mind is when we've had some of that really questionable CGI that was done on Supergirl. And that's, Ugh. you know, that's where... Yeah. Mm. Well, almost a part of me, a part of me hopes that if that's the case, if they're going to struggle with budget or they can't quite make it look right then perhaps they just keep Allie Alston as she is and maybe fuck up her body a bit to deform her a bit. Maybe we even see like ripples of the parasite coming through her flesh a bit. Yeah. You know, the, the, and then she reverts back to her human form so that they can save on that budget. So there are, there are creative ways that they can fake it. Mm-hmm. See her version of parasite, unlike the, the male versions um, is very, I don't want to use the word sexy, but she's always drawn in a sexy, very feminine, tight costume. Oh, really? Yeah. She's all purple. Um, kind of reminds me of, you remember that movie Species from the late 90s? Oh, yeah. It kind of has some Species vibes to it, a little H.R. Uh, Geiger-esque in some portions. But she's got this weird little curly hair thing going on the front of her head, and the rest of her's bald. So there's a lot that they would have to put into that. Oh, I see what, yeah. Okay, I just looked it up. Try to bring that to to life. Uh, And I worry that it might end up looking like a real low-rent version of uh, What's-Her-Face from Ghostbusters. Yeah. 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 You know? Well, we'll see. I I suppose the female version would be a little easier to create asset-wise. Maybe. Maybe they even just... Maybe they use prosthetics for the mouth area, for the teeth and the face, 
and maybe keep the CGI limited. Practical effects, you know, cheaper and yeah. it looks better. So maybe they go that route. Some kind of iridescent bodysuit and some makeup. Yeah. Yeah, possibly. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? Would you like to see a true version of Parasite or would you be okay with them keeping her as as she is? I almost feel that they need to bring some more of the comic Parasite in simply because, one, it's a, it, it'll pay off for the fans. You know, it'll raise the stakes too. It'll raise the stakes, but yeah. it'll pay off for the fans that know these characters, and for the for the watchers that don't know these characters, they will now see something that when they go to look this up, it will bridge that gap between the two representations. Yeah. Um, but that being said, I'm looking at a one of the variations of a modern version, um, which is the classic version that we're accustomed to, which is the the male version with the white stripe and the green yeah. undie, undies. And it, it looks awesome. He's like overweight, and um, that's the one I'm familiar with. Yeah, I like that one. <laughs> He's so creepy looking. Yeah, dude. he is. I like that one. Okay, so lastly, what are they doing with Jordan, John, and Natalie? And I asked this because they spent a lot of time this episode working on their friendship, and now John is going to have a suit. Are we going to see a Young Justice type of thing? Because if you're familiar with Young Justice in the comic books, before they create the Young Justice team, you have the group of young people, the, the kids and the sidekicks, essentially, who gripe that they're treated like children. And they start doing things on their own, secretly. And then they gain the respect of the A-Squad. Do you feel like this show is going in that direction? And if so, do you think it's sustainable without distracting the series? No, I don't feel it's sustainable. Yeah. I, I, I think if it's like a wink, wink to that. Okay, okay. fine. Okay. Yeah, you and I are on the same page. But then. we can't turn this into a subplot. We can't turn it into a spinoff. Um, no, it, it just needs to run its course and then be done. And that, that suit that she built, is clearly built for her visually. It's clearly uh, the suit to be worn by her as a female. Right. And so I don't know how long um, it just, it doesn't even look like it's going to fit Jonathan in the right ways because it's very small. It's built for her. He can always tuck his dick. Might work. No, but like just <laughs> shoulder head side, like all that, it just doesn't look like it's going to fit. I'm sure they'll make it work obviously, but um I find her character as, as intelligent as she is and as empathetic as you are towards her situation of losing her mother and all this. I, I'm over her character. Yeah. I, I, I don't know why. I, I don't know if it's just her acting or how it's written. I'm, I'm kind of over that one piece of the storytelling. I like her, but I want this show to be about Superman and Lois. Yes. And if they continue to branch out into these other areas, it's going to get diluted. I feel like if you want to keep these characters and give you, and it's, it is good to have a certain amount of characters that are in your show. If you know how to balance them, because they allow you to have different avenues, they make it easier for you to go in different directions. They allow uh, our characters or they create opportunities for our actual lead characters characters to talk possibly learn something 
use them essentially as plot devices. If they do that, then I'm okay with these characters staying around. If they use Natalie to help flesh out John Irons, to help flesh out Jordan, to help flesh out John, and then bring them into the fold that ultimately works to push the story of Superman and Lois because everything, the strategy I'm talking about is about that, then okay. But if it's about giving them their own individual stories, I, I don't think the show needs that. There is so much going on with the show as it is. And I feel like the show is as, as, as successful, as successful, there we go, as it's been is because they're, they're doing the, they're making the right decisions. And there is a focus on our key characters, Superman, Lois, Lana. That should always be at the forefront. And of course, John Irons, I want to throw him in that mix as well. Those are our four. And everything else is all about backing and supporting that, them. Lana's family should always be about supporting Lana. John Irons' personal life should be about supporting his story. If they keep that in sight and that's the focus, then every, all these characters will always feel like they belong. If they try to veer too far the other direction, then suddenly it's going to fill off. Well, I think what bothered me this episode, too, is that I guess it falls under that umbrella of keeping secrets and telling white lies, um, is that she, Natalie, had the the time to not just help her dad get his suit fixed and back up so he was ready to get back on the saddle. She built her own suit, not entirely completed. Where was he as a father? I mean, they're pretty tight knit. He's making her pancakes or waffles or whatever the fuck. And she like, has this thing like stashed away in a closet. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like it's a small thing. This thing takes up space and you got all these computers and things that you're doing. And like, does he just think she's in there doing her math homework? <laughs> like maybe starting to give her her privacy. Maybe. I don't know. Listen, I, I pretend to give my son his privacy. And then when he's gone, I go through his room and make sure he's not doing anything bad. Oh, man. Listen, I'm a parent. That's what we do. Like 1984 up in this piece. <laughs> I have cameras rigged. And Nanny cams. No, I, I give him, you know, his, his, uh, his privacy. But, but yes, I still spy on him from time to time. <laughs> Your kid's walking around going under his eye. <laughs> All right. So let's bring this show to an end. Final thoughts. I feel like I have shared everything I possibly can about the episode. I feel like it's clear how I felt about it. And I'm going to give this episode a 91% on the RMD score. Ooh. Okay. I felt like the Lana stuff was really, really strong yeah. and written extraordinarily well. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm going to give it an 88 um, because I continue, like we talked before we started recording. Um, I still have conti uh, continuing issues with the ill-fitting suit yeah. on, on <sighs> Superman himself. Um, so sad, but it's still, it was a great episode in terms of carrying that consistent theme of the lies. And again, the title itself, the lies that bind it, it beautifully titled. Yeah. So, okay. Well, this does bring us to the end. I do want to remind people that you can find us on iTunes and Spotify. Those are our preferred feeds to find our show. Just search DC on RMD, the Superman and Lois edition, and it should come right up. Be sure to give us a rating and review. Thank you, Steve. 
Thank you. Who are you, bitches? Mother of God! Would you look at the time when you came here? You had an hour. 